and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We're going to continue today. It's week three uh, of our series on faith, faith foundations, and looking at a mountain of a subject, right? What is faith? Why is it even important? How do we develop and grow in our faith journey? So today we're going to tackle... Uh, part three of this, turn with me to Jude chapter one. If you have your Bibles, go all the way to Revelation. It's the book right before Revelation. It's one chapter long. It's this power-packed chapter in the Bible written by a guy named Jude or Judah. And we're going to look at one verse 20 here. How many brought their Bibles to church? Anybody still bring Bibles to church? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. We're note takers here at Destiny Church. We want to encourage you to get out a notebook or grab your notes on your phone and jot some things down. One of the most practical things that you can do, church, to leave the house of God with something you didn't come with is to write something down. Come on, that's good stuff there, right? It goes deeper when you write it down. Now, I'm not saying you have to write everything down, but if something touches your heart, take a second and jot that down. It actually goes deeper into your spirit and heart when you write it down than if you don't, all right? Amen. Jude chapter one, verse 20. Are you guys ready this morning? we got some ground to cover. It's going to be a good morning. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Jude writes, Dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Think about that. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. How? By praying in the by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of Jesus. This is unending life. This is real life. Will you pray with me one more time this morning? Holy Spirit, we, we do. We welcome you, acknowledge you. Here we are. Uh, you have our attention. So would you come and do what you do best today? Reveal Jesus open our hearts, and bear real fruit so that we don't leave church today, God, uh, the same way we came in, but that we would leave just a little bit more in love with Jesus, that we would leave a little bit more passionate about Jesus. That doesn't happen because of a sermon. It happens because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so we release you, Holy Spirit. Do what you want in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on. Well, quick question this morning. Do we have any avid news junkies in the house? Anybody? <laughs> One person in the back. Can't wait to flip on the 530 news and find out the latest of what's going on in the Middle East, right? Like, what's Trump saying now? Who knows? For me personally, I don't watch much news. I choose sanity. Uh, but to each his own, I guess, you know. One thing I, I do enjoy doing from time to time, though, is checking out the headlines. Anybody else like the headlines every now and then? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're like me. Have you realized how misleading some of these headlines are? They're, they're crazy. The way they construct the sentences and the wording in these headlines, sometimes it's, it's a little comedic, right? Which I can understand. You know, I get it. There's so much information you know, wrestling for a moment of our attention. They can't just come up with something ordinary and expect for people to actually listen to the whole story. So they like, they shoot steroids into these headlines, right? Am I right? For instance, here's some actual headlines I found from the year 2021. Throw that first one up there. Check this out. 
City plans its first dog park, <laughs> archery range. Okay, there's no way on earth I'm not reading that story, okay? What kind of city council meeting gets together for planning and their next great idea to improve the city is to combine golden doodles running around free with a live archery range, okay? It's taxpayers' dollars at its finest. What about this one? This one's funny. Northfield plans to plan strategic plan. <laughs> Listen, if you have to have a planning meeting so that you can get a plan on how you're going to develop a plan, <laughs> whatever it is you're planning better be the eighth wonder of the world or one of those meetings could have been an email, okay? Am I right? One more, this one's funny. Man coming through window says he was warning neighbor about Prowler. That's A for effort right there. Can you imagine waking up at three in the morning to a sound in your living room? You walk out of your bedroom in your bathroom to a dude crawling through your window. You flip the lights on. He's like, oh, dude, somebody's breaking into your house. It's A for effort, man. Worth a try. They say that five times as many people only read the headlines as they do the actual story. And I wonder, you know, when it comes to certain topics in the Bible, namely the Holy Spirit, if we haven't heard a lot of headlines, there's been a lot of hype, there's been some misunderstanding, there's been some misuse, but when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, have we actually dove into the actual story for ourselves? For instance... How many knows the Holy Spirit is not a dove, right? He is not fire. He is not wind, rain, or oil. He is not spooky or weird. Those are headlines. They don't tell the actual story. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God, just as much God as God the Father and God the Son, okay? Contrary to popular belief, it's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, right? It's the Father, Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now think about this. Let me give you something to think about here. The New Testament church that was birthed in the church of Acts, they didn't even have the New Testament. You realize this, right? All they had was the Old Testament and the Holy Spirit. And I think we've been wrong, church, to put more emphasis on a book they didn't have than on the Holy Spirit that they did have. Now, that's in no way, shape, or form to imply the Bible is any less important. That would be heresy, okay? But what I do want to do is alert us, church, to the critical need, especially in the age that we are living in, for the church to begin to place greater emphasis, focus, and, 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 and on his leadership, his activity, and his ministry, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He is not the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity. We understand that, right? He's not the crazy uncle of the family that when he shows up, things get weird. He's God. He's God. And the only way we get to go deeper in the things of God is by growing in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a strong walk with the Holy Spirit it's essential if we want to experience more of God. Check, check this out as we go on this, this journey. John 16, verse 13. This is the upper room discourse that Jesus is having with his disciples right before he goes to the cross. Most scholars call this the greatest teaching 
by the greatest teacher. Okay? Check this out. John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth, who's that? That's the Holy Spirit. When He comes, He's going to guide you into all the truth. He won't speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, verse 14, look at this. Jesus says, He's going to glorify me. How? He's going to take what's mine, and He's going to declare it to you. What are the things that are of Jesus? All that the Father has is Jesus. Is, is Jesus's. Therefore, I said He's going to take what's mine and declare it to you. It's the Holy Spirit, church, that brings us into Christian maturity. The Holy Spirit, He's the one that reveals Jesus to us. It's His, it's his job description. It's what He loves to do. He takes all the things that are in Christ and He declares them to us. And as we engage Him, and we learn how to partner with Him in a consistent way, the Holy Spirit will, will release small increments of those deep things hidden in the heart of God to us. And it's those deep things hidden in the heart of God that develop us and grow us into who we're created to be. Okay, the Holy Spirit. He's our glorious escort into the things of God. And so what I'm asking today for us you know, is to let's, can we, can we just come together and just lay aside traditional lenses? Can we lay aside denominational preferences and educational backgrounds and family upbringing? Not that any of those things are necessarily inherently bad, but can we just together for a moment, can we just open a blank page when it comes to this? And can we just take an honest, fresh look at what the Bible has to say about who the Holy Spirit is and what is his role in our faith journey? Can we do that? I, if we want to grow in faith, which is what this series is all about, it's what Christianity honestly is all about, growing in our faith. If we want to do that, if we honestly want to do that, we will never get there without the activity of the Holy Spirit. As we read a powerful verse tucked away in a book that's one chapter long, Jude says this, Beloved, carefully, or take care to build yourselves up in your most holy faith. How do we do that? By praying in the Holy Spirit. Wow. Most holy faith? Like, can we just pause right there and talk about how incredibly significant like that phase, phrase alone is? As, as far as I can tell, this is the only time in the Bible where this phrase is used. Most holy faith. It's as if Jude is putting a giant exclamation mark right here. The flashing red lights that tell us stop and take notice. Do not pass go. Do not collect $100. Camp out right here. Could it be that Jude is giving us glorious insight into how to take our faith level into overdrive? Your most holy faith. It's as if Bruce Banner is transforming from the scientist with a lab coat and a pocket protector to the giant green rage monster that is unstoppable. Your most holy faith. Think about it. Sign, sign me up. <laughs> like, where just show me the dotted line. Sign me up. Okay? Because if it's true that as Jesus followers, we have access into the glorious power and presence of God through faith, 
then I say, give me the most holy kind, right? If it is in fact true, and it is that it's impossible to please God without faith, then give me the top shelf stuff. Give me the most potent kind. Give me the, the, the top shelf. Give me the most holy faith. Sign me up. I don't know if you're like me, sign me up. To which Jude would reply, one of the greatest keys to experiencing this exponential growth in your faith life is to develop a consistency in what Jude calls praying in the Holy Spirit. Think about that phrase, praying in the Holy Spirit. Beloved, carefully build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So it begs the question, right? If praying in the Holy Spirit is the key to exponential growth in my faith life, what is that? What is praying in the Holy Spirit and how do I do that? How do I do it? Let's go on a journey this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul and he's teaching on spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not passively desire, not occasionally desire, earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially that you might prophesy. Now look at this. For the one who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to men, but to who? To God. For no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. Verse three. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Verse four. Now this is what I want to zero in on. Think about what Jude said. Paul's saying the same thing. The one who speaks in tongues does what? Builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds the church. In verse 5, look at what Paul says. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. I want everybody to do it. Okay? Now, again, notice what Jude said. Build yourselves up by praying in the Holy Spirit. And Paul says essentially the same thing that Jude says, but Paul words it a little bit differently. And Paul's wording gives us a little bit more clarity on what it means to pray in the Spirit, Paul says the one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. In other words, praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in tongues. It's praying in tongues. It's synonymous. The phrases are interchangeable. Okay, I'm just teaching you today. And then Paul closes out his thought with this incredible word. And he says, I want all of you to do this. I want the whole church to do it. I want all of you to do it, which implies that this special prayer language is not resolved for the super saints only. It's not just for the card-carrying members of the Jesus Club, right? It's This glorious gift is not just for pastors and church leaders and preachers. This is not just for the members of the Christian Elite Club. It's available for all of us, Right? I want you all to speak in tongues or I want you all to pray in the Holy Spirit. I want everybody to do it. Now, let's just pause there because they gave you a lot. Quick question. Anybody ever had an experience with a drone before? You know, a little, anybody, anybody, nobody. Okay, great. 
And I've told this story before, but it goes well here. So we got Elijah a small drone for Christmas one year. Uh, And you better know, you know, nine times out of 10, when a dad buys a gift for his kids, we buy based on whether we want to play with it or not. Okay. (laughs) Here, son, I bought you a drone. You want me to teach you how to fly it? (laughs) So me and the the kids are sitting on the couch one morning. We got a little time to kill before we got to get out the door. At that time, we lived in kind of a split level house. And I'm sitting on the couch in our living room, right? And Brooke, my wife, she's upstairs in the bathroom, you know, blow drying her hair or whatever she's doing. So I'm thinking, there's no better way to kill 10 minutes. Boys, you want to see dad fly this drone around the house, right? So I start flying this thing in the living room. You know what I'm talking about, right? But you just can't keep the drone in the living room, okay? Hey, boys, I bet I can fly this upstairs into mom and dad's room from here. No, you can't. Oh, watch this. Right? As the drone effortlessly floats all the way up into the master bedroom, completely out of my line of sight. It's gone, okay? All you can hear is a of the four propellers just ripping through the air. Hey, boys, I bet I can fly this into mom and dad's bathroom and freak mom out. No, you can't. Famous last words, right? Watch this. So I can hear the drone from where I'm sitting on the couch. I can't see it, but I can hear the in the room, sitting on the couch as I just bank the levers, just blindly, hard left, right? And into the bathroom where my wife is blow drying her hair. And it's just like, (laughs) broke from the bathroom, Steven! As the boys go racing up the stairs, dad, you got the drone stuck in mom's hair. Instantly, the palms are sweaty. You know what I'm talking about. I race upstairs to find this. The drone has knotted her hair into dreadlocks, right? It was awesome. <laughs> now, you know, I tell this story, you know, it, it really does go well with where we're at in this teaching, right? Like, it's all fine and dandy. It's all fun and games. Holy Spirit, sure. Most holy faith, absolutely. And then we get to that part about speaking in tongues. And then the drone crashes into the bathroom and just tangles itself in the side of your head, like game over. I'm out. If that's you, if that's you, you're not alone. Can I just say that? And it's okay. Tongues has been the greatest place of division and controversy in church history, hands down. And I get it. I mean, I get it. There's been a lot of abuse. There's been weird stuff in the name of the Holy Spirit. There's been horrible teaching on both sides, both for and against tongues and on and on. But whether we like it or not, we have to recognize that speaking in tongues is actually in the Bible, right? It deserves for us to take a closer look at it and at bare minimum, approach it with an open mind and an open heart, right? Could it be, though, that the greatest place of controversy within the body of Christ is actually the greatest key to unlocking the power of God in the church in these last days? Build up yourself on your most holy faith. 
praying in the Spirit? Could it be that the devil has worked overtime to make this a point of contention because he understands the power it releases in the life of a believer? The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. The enemy of our souls, he he just doesn't spend time on things that don't matter. But he systematically goes to work twisting and manipulating and perverting and dividing the the realities that can potentially destroy his kingdom. For the one who speaks in tongues, Paul says, doesn't speak to men. He's actually communicating directly with God. Whoa. This glorious gift given to us by God, this personal prayer language between you and God is a direct phone line between you and and the president of the universe. And one of the many benefits of this gift is that when we use tongues as we talk to God, we actually build ourselves up in our most holy faith. So how do we get access to this gift? How do we get access? And I I know I'm stirring up a lot of questions, and if I get you curious, then I get you. I just want you to go create your own conversation with God. How do I get access to this gift? Because I don't know about you, but there's times in my walk with God when I feel weak, lethargic, and worn out. There's times in my walk with God when I feel beat up and confused and tired. And it would sure be great to have a tool at hand that was a surefire way to build up my faith. So how do I get access to this gift? How do I get access? Let's go to the first time we see this gift show up in the Bible. And then what happened uh, surrounding that gift showing up? Go to Acts chapter 1. And I know I'm just teaching. There's a lot of Bible today, but this is church, so get over it. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this. And, and, and I would, I would if, you, if you're kind of on the fence about this, go to these verses yourself. Don't just trust me. Okay? Acts chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And this is Jesus um, talking. Just before Jesus ascended to heaven, he's gone to the cross, he's died for their sins, okay? He left instructions for the apostles he had chosen by the Holy Spirit. After the suffering on the cross, so Jesus, this is after, his, after the cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to these same apostles over a 40-day period. So after Jesus died, he rose again, and he showed up for 40 days to these apostles. Jesus proved to them by many convincing signs that he'd been resurrected During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom realm and shared meals with them. Pretty good model for what we should do. Verse four, and then Jesus gave them some parting instructions. Don't leave Jerusalem. Push pause, guys. But wait here until what? Until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father has promised. What is that gift? For John baptized you in water, a reference to John the Baptist. But in a few days from now, guys, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Interesting. Verse 9, right after Jesus spoke these words, right after Jesus gave those instructions, those are the very last words he gave his apostles, his disciples saw him lift into the sky and disappear into the clouds. He's gone. <laughs> like, and this is the point in the story. At this point in the story, the disciples are staring up into the clouds. 
And they got to be thinking, what the heck are we supposed to do now? Right? They're watching Jesus float away like a helium-filled balloon. And then he disappears. And these guys are without a doubt left dumbfounded. Right? We literally left our lives and gave everything to follow this guy. We pushed pause on it all to run after him. And now he's gone. He's gone. What do we do with that? Where do we go from here? Or what is my next move in my walk with God? What's the next move? How can I take my Jesus journey to the next level? To which Jesus responds, gives his disciples these parting orders. I don't want you to do anything. And I don't want you to go anywhere until you receive a baptism. Wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift the Father had promised. This is the next step. This is the next level in the game. It's the next piece in the God journey puzzle. It's so important. It's so essential. It's so foundational. It's such a big deal in the heart of God that he said, I don't even want you to consider doing anything else until you receive this specific baptism. It's right here in the Bible. John baptized people in water, but you're going to receive a different baptism. It's not going to be the baptism in water like John was doing. This is going to be a whole different ball game because you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are you guys following me? And then Jesus drops the mic and he walks off stage. He's gone, right? I love Jesus's leadership here. He is constantly teaching us how important it is to embrace mystery. He's constantly teaching us that comfort is way overrated and to lean into the unknown and to take risks because that's where we find God. In essence, Jesus is like, boys, get ready for a baptism. And the disciples got to be thinking, okay, uh, no problem. We know exactly what that word baptism means. We've seen it done a thousand times. Let's go down to the Jordan River and get this done so we can continue on with the mission. And then Jesus is like, wait up, guys. You, you know how John was baptizing people in the Jordan River like he's literally dunking them like an Oreo in milk. You remember that? And the disciples are shaking their head like, uh-huh. And then Jesus is like, yeah, that's not the kind of baptism I'm talking about. This baptism won't be in water like John's baptism was. This baptism is going to be in the Holy Spirit. And by the way, don't go anywhere until you get it. And Jesus is like, BRB, and he floats away. No other explanation as to what this baptism looks like, how to get it, or to tell if it's happened or not. Just wait until you get it. <laughs> At this point, the disciples have no idea what they're waiting for. They only know three things. We can't move until we get this. Okay, we're in timeout until we get this. It's not a baptism in water, which is the only baptism we've ever seen. And the Holy Spirit's going to be involved, whatever that means. That's all they know. Talk about faith. So this is where the story gets indescribably good. And also where the major controversy comes into play. It's interesting to note that in our walk with God, the greatest opposition will surround the greatest potential for breakthrough. There's no different here. Go to Acts chapter 2. 
Acts chapter 2. This is what we call the day of Pentecost. This is the birth of the New Testament church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully arrived, the disciples were gathered together in one mind, when suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, that's crazy. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Okay, verse 3. And divided tongues as of fire appeared. They could see them. And they rested on each of them. And then they were filled with the what? And then they began to do something. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What we just read is the moment Jesus told the disciples to wait for. Okay? This baptism that Jesus said was going to come, this is that. This is the exact moment. Boys, don't go anywhere until you get it. This is that. Okay? As suddenly the atmosphere changes, heaven crashes in on earth. The Bible says 120 people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And immediately after this baptism, these guys began to do something they couldn't do before. They began to speak in a language they'd never learned. The Bible calls that language speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. The point I want to make is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this speaking in tongues was actually a normal part of Christianity in the New Testament church. Okay, we find it right here beginning in Acts 2, and we see it all the way through the New Testament. It's a normal part. These realities, they're so much bigger than denominational preference. Okay, these are foundational kingdom principles. When God wanted to signal the birth of the New Testament church, he used tongues, right? He birthed his church in this. Think about it, right? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, is our way into what Jude calls praying in the Spirit. Are you following me? Acts chapter 2 is our way into what Jude calls praying in the Spirit and what Paul calls speaking in tongues. So can we put this together and then we'll call it a day? I know I'm hitting you with just a fat load of uh, information. Let's put it together, okay? So Jesus explains what's what's about to happen to his disciples. And he uses a picture that they're all familiar with, water baptism. John baptized in water. You're going to be baptized also, but not in water, in the Holy Spirit. They'd all seen John doing water baptisms, all of them, okay? They knew what it looked like. Jesus is using the idea of water baptism to communicate what the Holy Spirit baptism is like. Okay? Because baptism is this. You get immersed. You get absolutely immersed. You get completely consumed by whatever it is you're being baptized in. Water bap- in water baptism, the person being baptized goes from completely dry, we're going to see it today, to what? Completely wet, right? This is the easiest test you've ever taken. In other words, the person that goes into the water goes in one way, 
and comes out completely different. They went in dry and they come out and they are soaking wet. There's no denying that they were baptized. There is strong evidence. And Jesus says the baptism in the Holy Spirit is similar to water baptism in theory, but different in reality. In water baptism, you go in, you go from partially wet, you're standing at your knees, to fully wet, fully immersed in water. But in the Holy Spirit baptism, you go from partially wet in the Holy Spirit to completely consumed and immersed by the Holy Spirit. The point is you get immersed. It's a baptism. You get completely consumed, right? Now, listen, I'm not even going to pretend like I know how all this works. Some of it's mystery. But what I do know from Scripture is this. When we gave our lives to Jesus, when we said yes to the cross and the blood he shed, when we said yes, the Holy Spirit comes and he lives on the inside of us. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You have resurrection power on the inside of you right now in this moment. It wasn't a baptism. It wasn't an immersion. It was a glorious measure, though. It was like metaphorically, you got, you got down in the water, right? And so the Holy Spirit, right now, He has a measure of influence and control and leadership in your life after you receive Jesus as your Savior. And we're completely forgiven, 100% redeemed. We are in the water, thank God, okay? We aren't immersed yet, but we do have a glorious measure. And it's absolutely and profoundly life-changing in every way. You're a brand new creation. You've received salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a secondary experience after salvation where you go from just standing in the water to completely and totally all the way under the Holy Spirit from a measure of it to completely consumed by it. So how do we know if we've gone all the way under in this baptism or not? How do we know? How do we tell if it's happened or not? How can I tell? Because when you see somebody get baptized in literal water, there is no denying it's taken place. There is strong evidence. There is initial proof that something happened to them that wasn't there before. They got soaked. Same idea in the Holy Spirit baptism. There'll be no denying it's taken place. There's strong evidence. There's proof that you've experienced something from God that you didn't have before. So what's the proof that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? It's tongues. It's tongues. We see it right here in the first record of people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And after that, you see it time and time again in the book of Acts. As a matter of fact, four out of five times in the book of Acts, when people experienced this baptism that Jesus was talking about, spoke in tongues, 80%. It's more than likely 100%, but we know for sure 80%. When people received this baptism, they were when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the initial proof in almost every instance was they began to speak in a language they couldn't be, speak before. It was, it's called speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. And I know, I know it messes with our logic and our reasoning. I know it's controversial and messy and it's out of the box. But listen, God will oftentimes offend our minds so he can reveal our hearts. It's just who God is. He sends his only son to the earth. 
in a way that causes everybody to stumble. Nobody expected the glory of God to show up in a Bethlehem stable, yet God chose to manifest himself in the most offensive way. A couple more verses. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27. But God chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God's chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty so that no flesh should glory in his presence. So why would God choose a messy, controversial gift to birth his church and then institute that same gift into the everyday life of the believer? He knew. I mean, God knew that it would be the most hotly debated topic in church. Like, why tongues? And for me, I think one of the reasons God knew and God did it that way is because he knew it wouldn't make sense in our minds. It would be so far outside of our logic and reason. And so in order to access it, we would have to leave everything comfortable, everything secure, and actually go on a faith journey with God to access it. To trust his leadership, even when it doesn't make sense. It's the essence of faith. The journey of tongues. It's so much bigger than tongues. It's actually a journey into the knowledge of God. It's actually a journey in the knowledge of God. Elliot, if you want to come on up and we'll just kind of wind down with some closing remarks here. And I hope this is okay. And more, I know there's lots of questions and this subject is a mountain in the Bible. I just want to stir you up to get in the conversation for yourself with God. Because I promise you, you start asking him questions and he will answer them. He loves to answer our questions concerning the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He loves it. These subjects are massive. My goal is to awaken your curiosity today. Go from this place and start your own conversation with God. Now, if you've already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, many of us have. <laughs> many of us have already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gift of speaking in tongues. I want to stir you up. I want to stir those who haven't received it into curiosity so that they would, God would bring them on the journey to receive it. And those that have, I want to stir you up so that you would begin to exercise your prayer language every single day. Beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Maybe you spoke in tongues one time at the altar when you first initially received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you haven't done it since then, I want you to go home today and stir that thing up inside of you. And I just want to challenge us. I want to challenge those who've received this gift 15 minutes a day. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. And see if it doesn't absolutely revolutionize your walk with God. Now, we're not just speaking gibberish to the wind. We are focusing on two things when we pray in tongues. God eternal, Revelation 4, God on the throne, and God internal, the Holy Spirit. Spirit of resurrection power on the inside of us. And as we talk to God in this language called tongues, we are building up a strong house of faith in our lives. If there was ever a day, church, where we need the most holy faith, it's today. It's right now. The spirit of the age is coming against us. 
with on every side if there was ever a moment where we need strong houses of faith, church, that can't be moved by the culture's voice. It's today. Look at what Paul says a little bit later on. 1 Corinthians 14, 18, and then I'll close. It's 11, 11. Paul says, I thank God. Write, write this verse down if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18. Paul said, I thank God. I speak in tongues more than you all. Think about it. Most believers would call Paul the greatest Christian who ever walked on the face of the planet. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He pioneered churches. He is this missionary giant. He moved in power and wonders and signs. He saw thousands and upon thousands saved. He led numerous revivals. He suffered. He, he had the privilege of bearing suffering because of the name of Jesus. He was the most effective. He was the most anointed. And he was the most humble person in the New Testament. The person who did more in his generation to further the kingdom than anybody else. And right here, we get a very rare glimpse into what Paul's private and devotional life actually looked like. I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> wow. Like we can't afford to overlook these church. The mightiest apostle in church history declared, I prayed in tongues all the time. I did it all the time. Paul relied on this gift. He had to, to build himself up when he was weary, to build himself up when he was persecuted, to build himself up when he didn't feel like taking another step for God. He relied on this gift to edify himself and to build up his house of, uh, house of faith. He did it all the time. He did it all the time. Could it be, and just one last question for thought today, could it be that the reason we aren't seeing some of the same fruit that men like Paul saw in our lives, which we should be, church, we've got to. The world doesn't need cute church services. It needs powerful Christians that bear the same fruit that they bore in the Bible. We, what are we even doing? What are we even doing if it's just a Sunday morning? It's like no different than the football game on Friday night. It's just what we do. God forbid those days are over. There's got to be a generation of powerful Christians that rise up. And I wonder, I wonder some of the reason why there seems to be such a massive deficiency in our walk with God compared to men like Paul. I wonder if it doesn't have something to do with the fact that what Paul said he did the most, we do very rarely or never at all. I do it all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's right there. Beloved, carefully build yourselves up. Take care to do this in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?
So Holy Spirit, we, we just open the door and we welcome you in. You are welcome here. Everything that you are, everything you have to offer, everything you want to do, that's all that God wants. He understands the questions in your mind, even some of the doubts in your mind. He understands it all, and, and it just he's not mad. It's just okay with, with him. He just wants you to come to him exactly where you are in the most honest way you can. Jesus, I don't understand all of this. I see it in the Bible, but I don't understand. But if it's from you, I want this. If it's from you, I want this. Even if it makes me look like a crazy fool, which it won't, but even if it does, if it comes from you, I say yes. I say yes. So we kind of got the rundown. This is how... This is what praying in the Spirit is. This is how we do it. So where do we go from here? Jesus leaves these incredible instructions and he says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. This is one ask away. It's the Father's good pleasure <laughs> to do this. And we made it so weird and so hard. As simple as people are going to get dunked under the water in water baptism today, this is that simple. All you got to do is ask and God will begin to bring you on a journey into this. And I think he's, 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 there's a swirl in our community here at Destiny Church, and he's, he's preparing us for this. He's preparing us. He's going to lead us into this in a real authentic way. He's not going to turn you into a wide-eyed fanatic, but he's going to fill you with power so you can go and be a, an effective witness and so you can build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.